0: Welcome to the Finding a Job Podcast, a Ben J. Schaap, LLC production. In this podcast, we share the stories of world-class business leaders as they discuss their professional journeys, job search strategies, and tactics that have led them to career success. If you're looking to find a fulfilling, well-paying career path, this podcast will unearth the tools and tips you need to expedite your learning curve and avoid common roadblocks that face people entering the working world. Now here's the host of the Finding a Job podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the Finding a Job podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to get experience when you don't already have experience. Joining us is Jeffrey Moss, who is the co-founder and CEO at Parker Dewey, which is a mission-oriented organization that helps connect great talent With great companies through what they call micro internships. And today, Jeffrey and I are going to talk about how students or people looking for their first job can get some experience without already having experience to sell to potential employers. Okay, here's my conversation with Jeffrey Moss, co-founder and CEO of Parker Dewey. Jeffrey, welcome to the Finding a Job podcast.
1: Great to be here, Ben. Excited for the conversation.
0: I'm excited to have you on the show and appreciate you being willing to talk to our audience of aspiring careerists. We are focusing on helping people that are looking for their first job find a great one. And you actually help people find work before they have their first real job. Talk to me about how you think about what does an internship look like as opposed to full time employment for you?
1: Yeah. So when we think about the current or the traditional model for college students and recent college graduates, they tend to take a series of classes. And for many, the best cases, they'll do a single summer internship between junior and senior year. The really lucky ones get to do an internship even between sophomore and junior. 10 weeks of really insightful interaction with a company where they can learn all about fit and start to figure out if it's the right company, and where the company can figure out if it's the right potential full-time hire. It's almost like an engagement, though, in that it's high stakes. Students only have, again, best case one or two of these opportunities before they go back to school senior year and have to go find that quote-unquote right full-time role. What we've done is we created this concept of the micro-internship, essentially short-term paid professional projects that college students, graduate students, even recent college graduates can work on year-round. The typical projects tend to be five to 40 hours in total versus the 10 weeks of an internship. They tend to be done remote. So students can work on these from their house or dorm room or library versus on-site. And because they're short-term, because they require so little time and they tend to be executed within a few days to a few weeks, it allows college students to build up this series of experiences before jumping into that high stakes commitment or engagement of the internship or the marriage of the full-time role.
0: It's an interesting concept, and I liken it to finding freelance work, something that I do as a podcast host. We're finding you know, remote workers all around the world to do micro tasks. There's one person who is our editor, there's one person who helps us write our blog posts, one person does the content publishing, one person does the LinkedIn posts, all these little individual tasks. And by little, I don't mean they're not significant or important, but I mean that they are not full-time employment. Talk to me about how the experience that you get through micro-internships teaches you about how to be a good employee and, you know, what value do you get out of doing this freelance type of work?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And micro internships are only possible because of increasing acceptance of the so-called gig economy. Because busy professionals, whether they're podcast hosts or marketing leaders at Fortune 100 companies or entrepreneurs at 20-person startups, we all have these little tasks on our plate that just ain't the highest and best use of our time or we don't have the right skills to execute them, or we're just not getting to them. And what we've seen is more and more companies have been outsourcing it through gig economy platforms, similar to what you just described. And what we recognized was what if we could give those opportunities to college students who are just inherently excited to work on the assignments. So the person who's doing your social media post, or the individual who's crafting that article for you, is doing it as a gig. They're doing it to make money. And nothing negative about that, but that's the primary purpose. And the primary purpose for you is just to get that project done. Well, what if we gave it to a college student instead? What if a college student was doing that same assignment? No, they may not have as much experience, but they have this inherent motivation to exceed your expectations on the project because it's not just about getting paid. It's about building their resume. It's about building relationships with professionals. It's about starting to explore, do they want to work at a big company or small? Do they want to do marketing versus sales or be in the education space versus tech? It's about really providing this opportunity for career exploration so the students are inherently motivated to exceed expectations. And for you as sort of the client, if you will, the user of this freelance service, yes, you're getting the work done and are going to get a better quality because of these inherent motivations of the student, but you're also getting something else. You're getting a free option. You're getting this opportunity to identify and assess a student who you may want to hire down the road, especially a student who may not come from a school that you recruit at or may have a major that doesn't sound like a job title or may not have a GPA that's above your threshold. Here's a way to get to see them in action and see that they have those core skills that you want when you are making that first-time or that full-time hire. It's almost like a mutual audition. Students can learn about different roles and experiences in companies. At the same time, companies can learn about students from a variety of backgrounds.
0: So I understand that you can lower the barrier to get experience by shortening the type of projects that you're taking on as a college student or someone who's looking for experience. It helps you put some money in your pocket, Talk to me about some of the trade-offs in terms of experience when you are working remotely as opposed to being in the organization. It seems like, you know, the traditional model of the 10-week summer internship helps you understand how an organization functions and really what it's like to be in a company day-to-day. How do you evaluate the trade-offs of that more immersive experience as opposed to the freelance gig economy type?
1: Yeah. First of all, I would say the term trade offs is a little bit pejorative because they're not mutually exclusive. The best companies are not using micro internships as a replacement for traditional summer internships. In the same way, students aren't using them as a replacement for taking that summer internship with a company. They're very much thinking about it almost like a step before. So there's massive trade offs. What you get from working on a remote project where you may have little interaction whether it's via Zoom or even in person with an individual professional in the company, what you get from that is not going to be nearly as in-depth or meaningful or valuable as what you get from 10 weeks in the office, engaging with a variety of professionals, seeing the informal interaction that takes place, really digging into the culture. And we would never suggest it does. What we're suggesting is this becomes almost like a step before. So I did my summer internship between junior and senior year of college with a firm called Coopers and Libra, and it was one of the, at the time, big six accounting firms. And I realized the first week that I didn't want to be a public accountant. And there was nothing wrong with Coopers. It just wasn't the right fit for me. And I had to spend the next eight or nine weeks there, and they spent the next eight or nine weeks with me. And I went back to school. Yeah, I had an offer from Coopers in hand, But I didn't think I wanted to do it. Now what? First of all, I wasn't sure I didn't want to do it because I had no context. I had nothing to compare it to. I had no other professional experiences. And as many of the tell me about a day in your life phone calls as I may have had with alums from my school or informational interviews, they don't give you the insight either. They're sort of artificial. So I had one data point of one thing I didn't think I wanted to do and no data about anything else. I was lucky. I wound up taking a full-time role in an industry I happened to have liked that was not public accounting. What we're suggesting is those internships for so many students and so many companies get wasted. And not wasted meaning they're completely invaluable, but a lot of the learnings that come, this sort of binary, yeah, this might be the right fit or not, come in that first week.
0: Yeah, I think that's an important lesson is A, that if you're doing a micro internship, it doesn't necessarily exclude you from doing a traditional longer term internship. And I also think as you get farther along in your career, at least in my experience, you know, it takes working in a couple different types of organizations, a couple different types of businesses, taking on a couple different types of roles to really figure out what's the right fit for you. And this seems like a nice way to allow people that are looking for their first job to really try on a couple different hats and suits and figure out what's really the right fit for them.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up because that's a situation that's been exacerbated over the past 10 or 20 years. So because of social media and because of the ease of applying for a new job, it's one click that a student will graduate college, they'll take that first job, and the data shows that 50% of them are gonna leave in the first year. And the reason they're leaving is they see on social media their friend doing something cool with another company, and they're having a rough day. Or they'll see an interesting opportunity that pops up on their LinkedIn feed, and sure, I'll apply. One click, I applied. And they wind up job hopping and not realizing that the grass may not be greener on the other side. They don't have the context to appreciate this. So the best students, the students who are getting the most out of micro internships, whether it's through Parker Dewey or in general, the students who are getting the most out of them aren't just doing a single project for one company and then going and doing an internship for that company and then going and taking a full-time role. We've seen that happen and it's wonderful, but for students to really get the most out of it, they begin engaging as early as sophomore year, in some cases freshman year, and they try a variety of different projects with companies in different spaces, and they can really circle in on where their interests are. So if I'm a student and I think I want to work at a startup, let me go do a project for a startup. I might find I like certain aspects about it, and there's things I don't like. Let me try a bigger company. And I might find there's a certain industry I'm excited about that I wouldn't have thought about. We're helping them hone in or circle in on what is the right target so when they are applying for those internships between junior and senior year, they know where to focus their efforts. They already have some data that suggests that working at a big tech firm in marketing is the right role based upon real data. And what's great is it puts them at a competitive advantage when they're out there applying for that job in two ways. First of all, they have a series of these experiences on their resume or on their LinkedIn profile that they can talk to and demonstrate the skills that the companies are looking for when they're hiring for those positions and that they can talk about in the interviews. But the second thing it does is it allows the student or the recent grad to convince employers that they're not going to leave six months in or 12 months in, that they're able to talk to why working at this company in this specific type of role is the right fit and how they've been able to confirm it's the right fit based upon their experiences doing projects at similar companies and similar roles, but also in other areas, which means that they're not going to jump six months in.
0: So for the people that are interested in finding micro-internships, what's the process for applying? How do you recommend that they find something that's a good fit for them? As a college student, often we've found that you don't necessarily know how to map what your experience is to where you'd be effective in the workforce. How do you figure out what's the right role for you and what's the process for application?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of really insightful questions in there. First, from a tactical perspective, I run an organization called Parker Dewey that students can sign up on. They create an account. They can see what micro internships are available. They can apply and work directly with the companies on those projects for which they're selected. All of the projects are paid. They're all professional. They are all aligned to roles that are similar to what they'll be doing upon graduation in their first professional experience. So it's a great opportunity for students. The companies posting micro-internships at Parker Dewey range from Fortune 100 companies to startups and everything in between. They go across industries. They go across departments. So it becomes a great way for students to really explore and hone in on where their interests are. And that's part of what we're trying to do is give them that opportunity The second part of your question is vital, that understanding the crosswalks from classroom to career is incredibly difficult for students. There was a study done a couple of years ago that tries to map all of the different majors and where the graduates wound up, what industries, roles, et cetera. And it's almost amusing that it's uninterpretable. The takeaway is what your major is doesn't matter where you're going to wind up that you could be a philosophy major winding up in data analytics. You could be a marketing major winding up in HR. Part of what we're trying to do is give students the ways to understand those different opportunities out there, but also to understand the crosswalks. So again, for me as a finance and accounting student, it was pretty easy to understand how the discounted cash flow analysis I was learning in finance class applied to the real world. No, I didn't have as many experiential opportunities. To learn about it before graduation, but at least I understood. What about the student who's the philosophy major? There's no companies with the job title philosopher. I mean, even Google doesn't have that title. How are they supposed to understand those crosswalks? So, for the philosophy student, what we're trying to do is help him or her understand that when they see a marketing strategy role that requires something like research, well, I'm a philosophy student, I know how to do research. I researched a dissertation on Kant. It requires the ability to craft an argument. Well, I know how to craft an argument. I've done it in all of my classes. Communicate effectively. Use analytical thinking. What we're trying to do is help the student unpack the job descriptions for all of those different roles and start to see the applicability of the skills that they learn in the classroom to those real-world roles. Demonstrating those skills through their real experiences but also communicating them to prospective employers going forward. The other thing it does is it helps build confidence. There's a great article written by Adele scholar who's at Texas A&M. He's a first generation student and he talks about the fact that he didn't have the confidence. He was looking at all of these job descriptions and didn't feel like he had the confidence to apply. He didn't think he had the right skills. He wound up doing five or 10 micro internships between his junior and senior year. And he wound up graduating Texas A&M with more job offers than any other student. And he attributes a lot of that to the confidence he was able to build through working on these micro-internships. It gave him the confidence to recognize that he does, in fact, have the skills for these roles and to convey that confidence to prospective employers. And that's vital, especially with the recent study showing that the average entry-level job requires two and a half years of experience. It's nonsense. So what we're trying to do is help students overcome that challenge through a series of these experiences.
0: So you mentioned that the micro internships are all paid projects as people are potentially deferring part time work or things that aren't necessarily career oriented to do a micro internship. What's the level of compensation that they should expect? And I know I'm sure it's going to vary, but what's the range for a micro internship?
1: Yeah, the average micro internship pays the student about $350 dollars. There's a pretty big range. Typically, I'd say the 80% band is probably two to the five two to the 600. So it's meaningful compensation. Everything is fixed fee, but if you look at the implied hourly wage based upon what projects actually take the students, it tends to shake out at about 20 bucks an hour. But again, everything is fixed fee. And the student can see how much they're going to be paid, how many hours are expected, a project expects to take before they apply, et cetera. So they control it. They might see a really interesting project that's due in two weeks, but they're entering dead week. So they don't have time. Well, don't apply. Or they might see a really interesting project and they do have some free time. They just finished finals and they see a project maybe for a company they hadn't considered or in a department they hadn't thought about. Great opportunity to apply. And again, hopefully get selected and have the opportunity to work on it.
0: I think it's a really interesting concept. And, you know, we've focused so far on this podcast on teaching career skills and understanding how to package the experience that you've gained from college and how to put your best foot forward when you don't have experience. And this really sort of jumpstarts the line by allowing college students to be able to get some experience, even if it's in smaller bite-sized chunks as opposed to finding that one internship or just applying for a job straight out of college. This allows students to get that experience while they are still working, and it also allows them to mitigate risk instead of just focusing on one internship. You could really try before you buy, and it helps cultivate those relationships with potential employers. It also helps you build your network. Talk to me about any other advantages that I may not be seeing.
1: Yeah, I mean, the key advantage is this is one of the few areas in all of education where you have complete alignment between all the interested parties. The universities love this approach because it helps the students get better jobs. For college students or individuals, once they've graduated, this really helps them land that right first job. Or if they're in a role they're not so sure about, really assess that before making that high-risk decision of jumping to something else. And what's great is for companies as well, this really aligns very much with their efforts they're feeling the pain as i said 50 percent of new hires are leaving in the first year companies are feeling an incredibly competitive environment for quote unquote top talent they're all recruiting the same handful of high gpa students from the same focus schools from the same majors and one of the things the companies like is that this truly democratizes the process this allows them to access students from non-traditional backgrounds, from different majors, from different schools, who may not have the highest GPA but have those core skills they're looking for, the communication, problem solving, adaptability, grit, etc. This helps them access those students in a way that's authentic and real. And what that means for the students is it truly democratizes the process. Every student has an equal opportunity to be selected for micro internships. In fact, we did some studies on the platform early on and we continue to look that GPA, major, academic pedigree aren't the driver of how students are selected for micro internships. We're seeing students being selected based upon their answers to the short questions. And we're seeing students being selected because companies may not yet recruit at their school. So here's a way to get to know a student that they might otherwise miss. Or maybe they do recruit it to school, but only from different majors. Here's a way to build that relationship. So it truly democratizes the process, too, as you said before, because we're able to lower the stakes. We're able to take away the risk for the students and the companies alike because these are so short-term and bite-sized, and they're not being viewed as a replacement for the existing processes.
0: I think it's a really interesting concept. I wish micro-internships were around when I was still in college. For me, it was try to find some work while you could during you the and summer. You both. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Jeffrey, let me just say it's a fascinating concept. Really appreciate you coming on the show and walking us through it.
1: Thanks so much. Really enjoyed it. And thank you for the great questions.
0: Okay. And that wraps up this episode of the Finding a Job podcast. Thanks to Jeffrey Moss, founder and CEO of Parker Dewey for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Jeffrey, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you could visit his company's website, which is parkerdewey.com. P-A-R-K-E-R-D-E-W-E-Y.com. A couple of links in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to fajpod.com, which stands for Finding a findingajobpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for all of our guests. If you're a subscriber to the Finding a Job podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We'd love to hear from you. So we created fajpod.com slash question, where you can send us your topic suggestions, or your career questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is F-A-J-Pod on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, pretty much everywhere. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a regular stream of career search tips and tricks in your podcast feed, we publish episodes multiple times each week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed soon. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to stay positive and keep networking.